Um, but we're, we're talking about celebration, which is our last one. And it's actually a discipline. And see, this is the thing about what we've been talking about. The, the, the disciplines are, in fact, challenging and difficult. They bring um, with them difficult times. Because if we're going to be disciplined, if we're going to be structured, it isn't easy. And you think, suddenly we start talking about celebration, and we're like, well, it's easy to celebrate. I love having fun. It's a good, easy, simple thing to do. But the truth is, we're actually quite rubbish about celebrating the things that we should celebrate when we need to celebrate. Because, you see, in the midst of really rubbish times and life being really complicated, everything feeling like it's falling in on us, we should be celebrating. Now, how many of us celebrate when we're in the valleys? Anybody? No, not really. It's okay. You're not alone. Because actually when we're in the valleys, we're, we're more often than not actually crying out to God in desperation. Thank you, team, for, for getting that back up and running. I might be able to connect now. And so for those of you who like titles, today's title is Celebration Time. Come on. But you know me well enough. If I can fit it into a song, I will. And I know it's not quite the right words, but Celebration Time. We'll get there. That's better. Not bad. Um, uh, so I know the actual song is Celebrate Good Times. I get that. But artistic license, right? That's what we're going to go with. Um, so if you want to pull out your notebooks, write it down. Take note. We're going to dive into a couple of scriptures in just a second. But, but I, wanna, I wonder if you can kind of cast your mind to how you celebrate. What does celebration look like for you? How do you celebrate things? Is it you go out for a meal? You're, I'm a foodie. Not that you could ever tell, because I'm so fit, I know. But for me, a celebration, like, let's go gather around the table. Let's have a nice meal. Let's have a nice drink. But equally, I can go celebrate with a cup of coffee. As simple as that. Let's sit down with a good cup of coffee. <laughs> if you know, you know. If it's not a good cup of coffee, you can celebrate with tea. It's okay. But it's got to be a good cup of coffee. We can celebrate in all sorts of different ways. Some people celebrate by going for a nice long walk. I've got a friend who, when they, when they finished their degree, the way they celebrated was going for a massive hike across the country. The worst form of celebration for me. I was like, what are you thinking? But they loved it. It was a celebration. It was a freedom of everything that they'd done. So I wonder how you celebrate. And I wonder if this morning might push back on some of that or, ex or maybe excite you to celebrate all sorts of things in those ways as well. I'm going to read a little bit, uh, reading more than normal out of, out of his book this morning because there's some amazing points that he brings out that I really just want to draw out uh, as he talks about celebration. And he says it in such a way, Foster does, that I'm like, why try and reinvent it? I can just read his words. But this is what Foster says um, when he talks about kind of celebration. He says, joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. We see that in Galatians 5.22. Often I'm inclined to think that joy is the motor, the, the thing that keeps everything else going. Without joyous celebration to infuse the other disciplines, we will sooner or later abandon them. Because joy produces energy. Joy makes us strong. See, this discipline perhaps is one of the most important and key ones that we've looked at. As much as we've looked at, at fasting and, and prayer and study, and we've looked at worship, and we've looked at study, which are all amazing, amazing, yes, celebration, that they are great disciplines. 
We looked at that of confession and how we need to be hot. We need to be not just physically hot, but honest, open, transparent hot. But actually, all those disciplines fall short if we don't have that of celebration and joy that comes from that celebration. So two readings today. Um, Our first one is going to hopefully come on screen. Yes, we're getting there. Acts uh, 3, uh, 1 through 10. And it says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer and at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. But then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Yes. (laughs) And it continues to say, He jumped to his feet and began to walk. To walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as this, the same man who used to be sitting, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. That's our first And our second reading is out of Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And it says this. We hope. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Oh, goodness. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, we we did a series on Philippians, and you can go back and check that out. We're going to not go into as much depth, but we're going to pick up on a few things that Paul says there. Because it's time to celebrate. What I love about Scripture is that if I'm honest, all all we have to do is read it, and already God will have been saying things to you. Perhaps in how I read it, Or the forced pauses that we had, thanks to technology, you were able to hear something or see something different. Perhaps there's a simple command to rejoice that you're like, man, I don't do that enough, (laughs) so I need to. But the, the, the first thing I maybe want to draw out from these scriptures is that we celebrate 
Because we have reason to. We have reason to celebrate. In Acts 3, again, taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. He went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising. This guy has reason to praise God. He has reason to celebrate. He was lame and no longer is. How awesome is that? Now, some of y'all might be thinking, yeah, but the thing is, Adrian, I'm not lame. I haven't experienced that miraculous healing at the moment, so what do I have to celebrate? Can I suggest to you that the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus is something to celebrate? I mean, I know that's like really basic, right? But if you're in this building right now or joining online, it's probably because somewhere, something inside you says God is real. Jesus walked the earth, took the cross, died for you, for your sins, to take your payment, rose again, and is alive. And he's poured out his spirit. There's something in you that goes, yeah, he did it for me. That's worth celebrating, y'all. But, but we don't, though, do we? <laughs> We do when we have the big celebration parties and like the big church anniversaries or, or if some of us maybe remember the day that we gave our life to Jesus. And so when that day comes out on Facebook, the picture shared and we, we share it again on Facebook and go, Woohoo, what an amazing day, the day I gave my life to Jesus. But do we celebrate it daily? Like when you walk out of this place later on today and you go eat your roast or you go stand in front of a fan or you try and fill up a, a fake pool that you bought for 10 pounds somewhere and blow it up to try and do something because you're flipping boiling. When you're there, are you celebrating the fact that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that he gave his life for you, that you're his? Chances are we don't. And then the thing is, please don't mishear me. I'm not speaking this from a, as a person that every day I celebrate because I'm so good. Every day I get it wrong. Every day in the midst of my trials and of, of my tribulations, of the stress of life, I forget the symbol. And I go, man, it was a rubbish day. Really? Why was it a rubbish day? If I have Jesus, I have something to celebrate. Do we have something to celebrate? Yeah. What stops us from celebrating? What's, what's, what's our reason? And the thing is, there is so much that we can celebrate that sometimes we forget. There are stories in this room of healing. There are stories in this room of miracles. There are stories in this room of, of words spoken to you for somebody else, of words spoken to somebody else for you. There are stories in this room of moments where God, the Almighty, has done something amazing, miraculous, and we forget about them. Oh, so quickly. In that moment, it's awesome. In that moment, we celebrate and we praise. I, I was healed so I can walk now better. I, my eyes are cleared, whatever it may be. That word was awesome, right on point. But then we forget about it. I bet you if I asked you, has God ever given you a word? Most of us would go, yeah. And if I say, can, do you know what word? I... I Maybe I'm going to be a bit negative here, but I think most of us don't know the details of all the words that God's given us. Some of us are really good. We write them all down. We read back over them. We pray into them. Some of us, man, I love smartphones for this reason. I started praying for somebody the other day at a gathering, and literally someone from across the room ran to me and said, stop. I was like, whoa, what's wrong? Hold on. Record. Now go. 
so that they could hear the word being shared, recorded, so that they could have it exactly in context, nothing mixed. It's amazing that we have things to celebrate, but do we celebrate them? And again, some of us maybe haven't experienced the big burning bush moments, the big miracles, but we have experienced salvation. That in itself is the biggest thing to celebrate. Do you celebrate it? But it's also sometimes the small things. <laughs> I was sat with somebody early in, in the week, and they're, they're going through a whole bunch of different things. And um, uh, uh, we were chatting about different things before we started praying. And, and it was so funny because they're, they're so positive about the situation that they're in. And they started celebrating about the smallest of things and praising God and thanking him for the smallest of things. And when I say the smallest of things, I mean they were praising God for a toilet. Come with me. It's okay. They, years ago, in caring for somebody, decided to redo their bathroom and buy a toilet that was taller and higher than a regular toilet. I'll tell you what. The first thing I said was, man, I need one of those. British toilets. Our toilets are so short. And I'm so tall. It's a, it's a long way down. <laughs> but they, they, they redid their toilet, and they got a, a bigger, taller toilet. And the reason they're praising God for that toilet decision from way back then is because actually now, in their current situation, it is easier for them to go to the toilet and not experience as much pain going down. In the midst of trial and tribulation, they are stood there saying, praise God. Can we celebrate God? Can we celebrate that he went before me? Can we celebrate that he did something that I didn't even think about him doing? Like, oh my goodness, it's a toilet. But praise God for that toilet. I'd be in a lot more pain if it wasn't for that. Are you praising God for the toilet situations of your life? Are you praising God for all things? Richard Foster, again, brings out some awesome stuff. It says, we need to understand that God does at times give us an infusion of joy even in our bitterness and hard-heartedness. But that is the abnormal situation. God's normal means of bringing his joy is by redeeming and sanctifying the ordinary junctures of human life. When the members of a family are filled with love and compassion and a spirit of service to one another, that family has reason to celebrate. It's the simple stuff. The basic stuff. How often do you Celebrate the people that God put around you, your family, your colleagues, your church family. How often do you go, man, thank you, Jesus, for placing me in this place surrounded by these people? The thing is, you're automatically thinking, yeah, but these people are driving me crazy right now, Adrian, so how am I supposed to celebrate them? But even in the midst of those challenging moments and challenging arguments and challenging situations, God's placed you with them. And if God's at the center, he'll pull you through those moments and those arguments and those stresses and give us even more reason, even more reason to celebrate and praise him. So I wonder what he's saying. But the next thing we see is that celebration and joy ultimately come from Obedience. 
And we've talked about obedience a lot. We've talked about when God calls us to do something or to say something, uh, how we have to respond. He's never going to force himself. But again, in that Acts reading, Peter looked straight at the layman, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now, he could have been disobedient. You might be thinking, but he's begging. He, was, he looked at them for money. Absolutely, yeah. His in, original intention was probably thinking, oh, he's going to give me a coin. He's going to give me something. But he could have been disobedient. The lame man could have been like, I don't like your attitude, actually. I mean, look at us. Who do you think you are? <laughs> be kind about it, at least, right? He had the choice to say no. We have the choice. When God asks something of us, we have the choice to say, yes, God, I'll do it, or no, God, I won't. We have that choice. And as we are obedient to God, as we are obedient and obey all that he asks of us, we see that there's more and more reason to celebrate. There's more and more joy that comes. And and the thing is, I promise you that In those moments where you stood there going, God's asked some really tough things of me right now. He's asking things that I'm not comfortable with, Adrian. He's asking me to step out of the boat, right, to walk on water, to perform the miraculous. And I'm just not there. I'm not ready for it. But But I promise you, if God has asked you to do it, and if you're obedient to what God has asked, when you do step out and do whatever it is, it will bring you joy. It will bring you a moment of celebration. Look at Peter on the boat, right? He's in the middle of a storm, like a physical waves crashing everything. Jesus says, get out of the boat, walk to me. He could have said, no flipping way, even though he's like, call me out. I get that. But he could have gone, no. I didn't think you were actually going to do it, Jesus. You're calling my bluff? No way. But he says, okay. And we always focus on that story of how he took his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. But we forget to focus on the fact that Peter walked on water. Like, you know how much joy he must have? Like, imagine when they get back to shore and he's hanging out with the other disciples around the fire and he's like, yo, you'll see that? <laughs> Did you see it though? I walked on water. That's, I can promise you Peter wasn't going to be like, oh yes, it was such a holy moment because I just listened and then, but then I took my eyes off and I fell. No, he's going to be like, I walked on water. He's going to be so filled with joy. And if I'm honest, I'd imagine it probably caused a bit of tension with the others. <laughs> no, shut up about you walking on water already. But there was something to celebrate. As scary as it was with the thunder, the lightning, the waves, he said, okay, I'll be obedient. And it led to joy. It led to him failing and falling and a lesson to be learned, but it led to joy and celebration. As we're obedient to God. But sometimes we listen to the voice of the enemy instead of the voice of God. Sometimes we listen to the voice of the world. We listen to perhaps those voices that have told us that we're not strong enough, we're not ready enough, we're not uh, focused on Jesus enough. And we start in that uh, critique, start stopping. We we start stopping. (laughs) We stop focusing on Jesus. And we then do get distracted. And the thing is, we have to choose to be obedient. (laughs) <laughs> really silly, flipping, ridiculous story. Yesterday, beautiful sunshine, glorious day. 
my wife, my kids and I, Amanda and the kids, we decide to go out to uh, um, the, the river. We decided, you know, Grandchester is a great place. Let's go. We'll take the dogs. We'll go for a nice walk. Uh, we'll, the, the dogs will go for a swim. Maybe the kids will paddle. We'll end up at the pub, have a nice cold drink because it was flipping boiling. Like, let's go and enjoy the sunshine. It was a great plan until we arrived and all I could see were incredibly skinny fit people in their swimsuits. I'm talking about not even guys that are like, I'm talking about like eight pack ripped guys, right? And shirts off and there was music blaring and it was a lot of fun. And automatically I started listening to a voice of the enemy that came after me. Because here's the thing, if you're part of the church, you know part of my battle, part of what I'm pushing through into and what I know God's called me out of is gluttony and food stuff. I get visitors, you're like, he's a big guy. You don't get this big without you know, falling to sin. It's okay, we can talk about that later. I'm a fat dude, I get that. And it's one of the things that I'm struggling with and I'm journeying with. And God has told me point blank, point blank the things I have to do. He has told me point blank how I can step away from this sin, how I can move into the life that he's called me to, which, yes, will lead to a healthier lifestyle, which will lead to me losing weight, which will lead to me looking different. And I literally, because of my lack of obedience, then found myself walking into a place where I felt so uncomfortable in myself for no reason. And Amanda, and I owe her an apology, and I, I started it this morning, but I will finish it later. <laughs> because all afternoon, she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Something's wrong. What's wrong? What's bugging you? What's wrong? Like, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Because I knew that what was wrong had nothing to do with her or the kids or even the people that were distracting me. It was me. Because what it affirmed in me was I have not been obedient to God. Because if I was obedient to God, I would be, one, not caring what other people around me look like. But two, I would be listening to his voice to say, hey, actually, you need to listen to me and realize that you're loved. Realize that actually there's a plan and a purpose for you to get healthy. Realize that you will look better. But beyond that, you will be healthier as you are obedient to me. And my disobedience has gone beyond, and I've told you guys this before, like it's, it's the stuff of like eating what I shouldn't when I shouldn't. It's point blank knowing I gotta stop here. One more biscuit won't do any harm. Yeah, it will. But I'm being disobedient. My disobedience yesterday led to, to grumpiness. Like point blank. And I share this with you, not, not for, oh, no. I share this with you because it's real. That's my stuff. But in your disobedience, you're going to find yourself being grumpy or being upset or being whatever <laughs> and lacking celebration and lacking joy. It was a glorious flipping day. But my enjoyment level was reduced because I just simply wasn't obedient to God. I'd love to tell you that it changed overnight and I'm there. It's a journey. But I'm getting there. But my obedience, my obedience leads to, to truth, to faith, to, to joy, to celebration. So does your obedience. So does your obedience. Celebration and joy come from obedience. But celebration also leads to strength and to peace. Man, I am warm. Whew. Yeah, this is where I was, I was mentioning with one of the Australian visitors earlier. I was like, you know what? We love the heat, but we don't know how to handle the heat because we're not built in this country for the heat. 
AC doesn't seem to exist. Fans don't seem to exist. Windows are painted shut, guys. That's, that's the level of, uh, usually we battle trying to keep the heat in, not trying to, not trying to. <laughs> um, so yeah, so feel free to fan yourself. I won't be offended um, because I'm trying to do the same thing and try and stay cool. Celebration leads to strength and peace. Again, in that, in that Acts reading, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Actually, that's Philippians, sorry. That was, that was not the Acts word, the reading. But that, that, that's, that comes immediately after he says what? Rejoice! Let me say it again. Rejoice! Let me say it again. Rejoice. Because as you rejoice, peace comes. So often we seek peace to then give us joy. If I could just get some peace, if I could just calm the situation around me, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be joyful. I'd have something to celebrate if everything would just stop and calm down. But actually, Scripture teaches this the other way around. Scripture teaches that actually we rejoice. We praise God for the little things, even in the midst of the trials and tribulations. We praise him for the toilet. We praise him for our salvation. We praise him for the things that we forget to praise him for. We rejoice in those things. And then suddenly, we know God's peace, a peace that surpasses our understanding that we can receive and we can go, wow, how amazing is that peace. And then that peace is seen by others. And how did you come to know such peace? Let me tell you the secret. I rejoiced but well, you have nothing to rejoice about. Don't I? Let me tell you what I have to rejoice about. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it just leads itself. We start with rejoicing. And then we also see in Scripture that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah. Like, joy from God, that is what we are rejoicing about. That is what we're celebrating. That is what we all have reason to rejoice. No matter how broke we are, how sick we are, how difficult life is, we all have reason to rejoice. And as we rejoice, we also see that strength. That strength to face whatever battle we're in the midst of. Because you are in a battle. Promise you, you are. Some of us might be at the mountaintop at the moment, about to go into a valley. Some of us are in the midst of the valley going, I can't even see the light. Where is it? But as you rejoice, as you celebrate, you're given strength. And it's countercultural. And it's backwards. <laughs> because the world tells you that in the midst of the attack, you should literally. Almost bury yourself away and fix your problem. And then once you fixed it, celebrate. And, and I think we fed into that as churches sometimes. We have those, shall we have a praise moment? Let's have a testimony. Come up and share how you had breakthrough. We do it regularly. Once you've had your breakthrough, let me know. We'll share with the whole church and we'll come up and we'll go, yeah, thank you, God. It's so good. But what about just thanking God before you've seen the breakthrough? 
What about just praising God to say, hey, in my praise and adoration for even celebrating who you are, I know you're going to give me the strength to go through it. I'm not there yet. I know I've got a long way to go, but come on, I'm rejoicing because the victory is yours already. But we, we, again, get sucked in and forget. But celebration leads to strength and peace. And I don't know about you, but I need strength more and more each day. And I need peace more and more each day. There are so many things that bring unrest. And more and more each day I need these things. And rather than focusing on how to fix them, all I have to do is rejoice. All I have to do is celebrate. How cool is that? Like, in the midst of chaos, God is saying, just have a party. Just have a party. Crack on. Have a good time. Celebrate who I am. Celebrate what I've done. Celebrate what I'm still yet to do that you don't even know about, but I'll tell you what. It's going to be awesome. Celebrate. Leave the rest to me, but celebrate. Some of us are feeling anxiety already inside of us, but I can't, Adrian. i got to fix it. i got, I got to fix the problem. It's staring me in the face. I cannot leave it. No, just park it there. It's still there, but celebrate who God is. Because as we celebrate, we are strengthened to fight that, beat that, travel that. And we are given peace in those moments as well. And we also see that we actually cannot take ourselves too seriously when it comes to life. And you might be thinking, how is that scriptural? (laughs) And I'll come to that in a moment. But I think part of our celebration is that we take ourselves, our lack of celebration is that we take ourselves too seriously. I'm going to read another Foster. Like I said, a lot from the book today, um, just because they're worth sharing these little bits and pieces. He says, far and away, the most important benefit of celebration is that it saves us from taking ourselves too seriously. This is a desperately needed grace for all those who are earnest about the spiritual disciplines. It is an occupational hazard of, a de- of devout folk to become stuffy bores. His words, not mine, okay? I'm not calling you nothing. Uh, this should not be the case. Of all people, we should be the most free, the most alive, the most interesting. Celebration adds a note of, of gaiety, of festivity, of hilarity to our lives. After all, Jesus rejoiced so fully in life that he was accused of being a wine-bibber and a glutton. Many of us lead such sour lives that we could not possibly be accused of such things. Now, I am not recommending a periodic romp in sin, but I am suggesting that we do need a deeper, more earthly, more earthly experiences of exhilaration. It is healing and refreshing to cultivate a wide appreciation of life. Our spirit can become weary with straining after God just as our body can become weary with overwork. Celebration helps us relax and enjoy the good things of the earth. How many of you felt your back go up when he called the stuffy boars? Because the first time I went, I read it, I went, <clears throat> what are you trying to say? Now, now don't get me wrong. We, we, we take God seriously. Right? He is who he says that he is. I'm not saying we mess around with talking about him lightly or we don't take what he speaks and teaches seriously. 
But we got to stop taking ourselves so seriously. Life has become so heavy. Amanda, my wife and I often have these conversations where life is difficult, where we say, it just doesn't feel fun anymore. And we have those moments of, of literally talking about having fun. And in those moments are the ones that we realize and we discover that actually rather than just celebrating and rejoicing in God, we are literally trying to firefight. We're literally trying to make peace happen. We're trying to make strength happen. We're trying to make da, 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 da happen. And it's because we may be almost taking ourselves too seriously. <laughs> what would it look like for us to lighten up? What would it look like for us to be a people of joy? <gasps> the church? Fun? No. Say it ain't so. And, and the thing is, there are unfortunately brothers and sisters who love Jesus amazingly and hugely and have a relationship with him who will openly say that we shouldn't have fun in church. We have people that believe that children should literally be seen and not heard because how dare they say something. But actually, when they say something, it usually brings a bit of a laugh. Thank you. <laughs> Timing could not have been more perfect. The reality is, is we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously. And that is difficult because to ourselves, we're the most important person. Nobody more important than me, to me. I mean, I can tell you it's my wife. I can tell you it's my kids. And they are massively up there on my importance list. And I should tell you it's God. God is the most important. But if you look at my actions, and you look at my life, what I reflect is that I'm the most important person. I mean, let's talk about what I was talking about earlier. If, if my wife was more important than me, then, then actually I would have already have gone on the weight loss journey so that I could live a healthier, longer life with my wife. If my kids were more important than me, then for the same reason, I would be making sure that if, when they graduate and if they get married and if they, whatever they do, that I'm there to be with them, to encourage them, to journey with them. But I'm choosing me over them. And so we've got to stop taking ourselves so seriously and recognize that actually there are more important things in life. And I mean, even in Scripture, we see Jesus in a party situation. <laughs> Not stop the party, but let it keep on going. We need more wine. And part of his reaction is kind of like, what are you talking to me for? Because he's trying not to take himself seriously. He's trying to just be there and have a good time. And his mom's like, come on, Jesus. You're the one. It's time now. He's like, but seriously, woman? Fine. Go do the thing, the thing. Wine. Let's keep going. <laughs> like Jesus lays an example of just be present. I wonder how different our lives may be if we just stop taking ourselves too seriously. And so I end with, everybody's excited now. Oh, goodness gracious, he's almost done. The band, in fact, can come up if you want. I end with asking, how are you celebrating and rejoicing? How are you doing? And perhaps the question that I need to ask is, are you celebrating? 
Are you rejoicing? And if the answer is yes, then perhaps then we can go into how. But if your answer is no, then you need to recognize that you are called to celebrate. You are called to rejoice. I mean, some of us are sat here right now going, it is so flipping hot. How am I supposed to celebrate anything? I'm sat on a pew. My butt hurts. My back hurts. I can barely move. I'm actually stuck to where I'm sitting. I don't want to stand up because you're going to hear the as I stand up. How is this anything to celebrate, Adrian? Or you could throw something at it. I don't know. How is this anything to celebrate? And again, the simple fact is we have plenty to If nothing else, we start with the most amazing of moments and the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. Let's rejoice in that. Perhaps you can go deeper. Perhaps you can go more. But there is reason to celebrate. So how are you celebrating? And it's not just for today. It's not just because, oh, agent at the front said we have to celebrate, so I'm going to be really emphatically encouraging. Woohoo! But you know that just even doing that can help lift the mood? I was with somebody once, and I was talking about and praying with them, and I, things were, you know, starting to lift, and at the end, I was like, just woohoo! And they looked at me and said, no. I was like, just do it, just woohoo! You're not gonna get a woohoo from me. I was like, I promise you, if you woohoo, you're gonna feel better. I'm not gonna woohoo, I'm not gonna woohoo. And by the end of it, they went, woohoo. I was like, feel better? You're like, eh, a little bit. I know these are silly things, but actually, even in just simply celebrating, like, come on! And it makes you realize there are things to celebrate and to shout about. As Brits, we're so reserved. I don't know how the Aussies are, but as Brits, we're so reserved. Oh, yes, let's celebrate. Very nice. Oh, God is so good. Oh, yes. Bravo, bravo. Encore. Yes, yes. We cannot possibly shout in praise, could we? We cannot possibly be loud, dance, celebrate. Move one's posterior. Yes. <laughs> too British, too far. Sorry. Dance. Shake your butts. Enjoy life. Celebrate. Because that's what we're called to do. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to stand and we're going to worship. And we're going to possibly, probably start with more of a, actually, let's just reflect on a little bit on what God said. And I haven't asked this of Steve or Mike but I'm, or Tom, but I'm going to say, can we end with a song of celebration? And it might be one that we've already done, but I want to encourage us that we can wait on God and we can see what he wants to say. And he might really massively meet us about celebration or something else because he doesn't need me to speak on it to speak to you. But then we also are going to celebrate. And I'm going to ask you to be different and released, to be loud. Because some of you guys outside of this place are that person. But suddenly we're in church. We cannot do that there. Let's pray.